So just a bit of background by way of reminder pertaining to the Gospel of Mark. The author of Mark, he's writing to a church, and the church is believed to be predominantly a Gentile church. This church is living under the rulership of a tyrant, Caesar Nero, one who persecuted the church, he, he hated Christians, he was a, a wicked ruler. Yet Mark writes this letter to this church that so they would have hope even amid hardship. Referencing or to comfort them, he used the conversation that Jesus had with his four disciples pertaining to the hardship that is to come in the last days. And when we think about the last days, it is essential to understand that the last days are any time after the ascension of Jesus to tomorrow, the 21st century, right? This time span is the last days. The disciples live in the expectancy that Christ could return in their lifespan. So from Mark chapter 13, verse 1, you see that Jesus just came out in the temple uh, where he had conversations with different religious leaders. And the last religious leader was a scribe. The scribes were known as persons who spoke as though they had an intimate relationship with God. And, but inwardly, their hearts were away from God and they lived for the praises of men and not for the glory of God. One act that we see at the end of verse 12 is that they actually sought to cheat widows out of their possessions. So whether it be acts of hypocrisy or stealing possessions from widows, all these acts took place within this temple. Therefore, at the beginning of chapter 13, we see Jesus and his disciples, and they are complimenting the outward appearance of the temple. Yet, Jesus' response was that this temple would actually be destroyed. A few moments later, four of his disciples are with him, and they ask Jesus, when will these things actually occur? Jesus sought them to describe acts that would occur at the end of the age, such as the destruction of the temple and persecution. So let me know that Jesus' response towards the destruction of the temple can also be referred to the destruction of false religions that the religious, religious leaders sought to establish. Verse 9 warns the believer both of those in government authority and those who are in authority in the synagogues whose heart will actually be opposed towards Christ and they will seek the, the destruction of the church. In today's world, we have many professing believers who say that they trust Christ, that their hope is within Jesus, yet we live as though our Savior, our hope, our politicians, our rulers, our kings, are those in governments. We say we love God, but we trust in the Donald Trumps, or even in the prime ministers of the world. Let it be known that hope, our hope, can never be found in governmental figures. For even these persons are sinners and they do not rule perfectly. Hence, why Jesus ensures to point to the disciples 
that there will be persecution that will come from those who are rulers, or those who are governors. These are the ones who would actually carry out persecution against the saints. Therefore, it is essential for us to think biblically about the nature of man, understanding that those who are in authority are men and they are sinners. We should never seek to exalt men or mere rulers in the position of a savior. There will be easier seasons, there will be harder seasons for the believer, depending on who is in power. But ultimately, perfect rule will only happen when Christ returns for his own. Jesus also makes it known that religious leaders will not be absent during the persecution of the saints because it says her persecution will take place within the synagogues. Those, there are those around the body of Christ who are not of Christ. Just as the scribes that Jesus spoke about at the ending of chapter 12, whose heart were far from God. Throughout the lives of many professing believers, we will see persons who outwardly profess Christ, but inwardly their hearts are far from God. They seek the destruction of Christ's church and they seek the destruction of the believer, the individual believer. Hardship for religious leaders can look like persons opposing biblical commands given by Christ are even telling you as a believer not to preach Christ, not to do these things, not to say what scripture says. And it's basically from the fact that they hate God and they hate his righteous law and his commands. So whether it be those governing an authority or religious leaders, the reasons that persons seek the destruction of your body is due to the fact that they hate God. Sinners who persecute the church want to deal this blow to Christ. They want to persecute Christ, but Christ isn't here. So you, as a believer, you will have to do. Sinners detest God and would rather not think upon God, God or his law. Placing our hope in leaders, whether religious or governing authorities, is fickle because man is mutable or he is changing. Or even governments and rulers change as years go by. We may have a good government this year, but next year we might have a tyrant who is ruling. There are some nations that we can even think about in the 21st century who want to start it up with like, biblical worldviews. So there were for a marriage between a man and a woman, but now they push homosexuality. Or they once thought that all life was sacred, but now they fund abortion clinics. Or even politicians individually, persons who started out wanting to do well, but as they got money and power became corrupted and became tyrants in the society. World leaders fail and sometimes end up being the agents who actually seek to destroy the church. So let us, not as believers, place our hope in leaders, even as we think about this 2022 election that is coming up for Barbados in the next three days. Let us keep our hearts and our minds fixed upon Christ and his promises. 
Jesus promises persecution to the church. Yes, one, because he ordains all things, but secondly, because God knows what is within men. Tyrants such as Nero are not rulers that the believer will live with as the day of Christ actually comes nearer. But since from the time of Christ ascending, we are living in the last days. There will be seasoned heroes or there will be wicked rulers that the church will have to live throughout seasons of their lives with. So even in the midst of all this bad news, in the midst of persecution and hardship that will face the church, there is actually good news for the believer and the unbeliever. Verse 9 sums up the fact that persecution will happen as Jesus states. But then he says, for my sake, to bear witness before them. Verse 10 then points out the fact that the gospel must first be proclaimed in all nations. The gospel will go forth. Even in the midst of persecution or hardship, or even if your life is one that is taken, the gospel will go forth. Go forth. Verse 9 points to the fact that being placed before those in authority or rulers is actually a chance to proclaim the gospel to wicked rulers. Even though you are being persecuted or you will be persecuted. What people make for evil, what Satan make for bad in hopes that it would destroy your faith and steal your joy, God has ordained to actually reach wicked men with the gospel. If you think back about the account in Acts, and we see that Peter and John there are before the council and they're told not to preach, but Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets up and he proclaims the gospel. And when he comes back together with the other believers, they remember that God has ordained all things. They think about the death of Jesus and understand that just as God used Herod and, and Pilate for the death of Christ and through the death of Christ, all nations will be blessed through the, through the fact that salvation is given to all types of sinners. God ordains all things, even the fact that believers, even the fact of believers being in persecution. So understanding that God is sovereign over all things, give them the boldness to proclaim the gospel in any spirit. And understanding that God is sovereign over all things should also empower us to proclaim the gospel in any spirit before any person. Whether beaten, mocked, or killed due to the proclamation of the gospel, God many times used these acts to draw sinners towards himself. This type of assurance in the sovereignty of God, despite what may happen to us, it makes us bold even as we stand before wicked men and women who are rulers. The good news must be preached. We have verse 9, which shows hardship, verse 11, which shows hardship, but in the midst of that, we have verse 10, which gives hope. The gospel will be proclaimed to all nations. Those who are like the scribes who miss Christ and plot the destruction of Christ, hoping that the gospel will fail, they must know that Jesus wins. The great commission will be accomplished. 
God also doesn't leave you as a believer in front of, the, of his opponents alone. But the Holy Spirit leads us in all that we say. Just as Peter was in Acts chapter 4. The Holy Spirit leading us in what we say as we stand before those who oppose us to look like the Holy Spirit bring into memory what we have read, what we have studied in Scripture and leading us in what to say given the context and the background of our opponents. Therefore, read the Word of God. Study the Scripture well and trust God to lead you in difficult conversations as you proclaim the Gospel. Understanding that no two gospel conversations are actually the same. So to the believer who is in the sphere of a professing believer whose heart is far from God, being told that you should not talk about the gospel, aka force the gospel on someone, or you shouldn't tell persons that they are sinners, oh that is too harsh. Or even the fact that you should seek to be more inclusive. Don't say things like Jesus Christ is the only way. My encouragement to you is continue to preach the gospel. Just as the idol of the temple and false worship that is Christ built up will crumble, all those who seek to oppose Christ will fall. Whether it be governments or professing believers whose hearts are in total opposition towards Christ. My second point is that there's also hope given towards Jesus' enemies. There's hope for those who mock, insult, or seek to destroy you as a believer. The gospel is for sinners, means that the gospel are for those persons who actually plot the destruction of the church, or who wants plot the destruction, plotted the destruction of the church, or the believer. The gospel is for laymen, and the gospel is for the Miamotis or the Verla de Pisas. The gospel are for those who claim that they are not religious, and the gospel is for those who claim they are religious, but their hearts are far from Christ. Jesus said he did not come for the righteous, but he came to call sinners unto repentance. We all deserve God's wrath for our numerous sins, whether it be lying, not loving our neighbor, lust, or even plotting the destruction of other believers. Yet, God extends his grace towards all types of persons in the person of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God that we deserve, Christ takes upon himself for anyone who would come in faith. God can be both loving and just in that he has sent his only begotten, his only unique son, to pay the penalty for all who come in faith. Whether you have mocked or insulted Christians, or even if you have killed a believer before, I would just remember that Jesus said, you have heard it said, you should not commit murder. But if you hate anyone without cause, you're already committing murder in your heart. So if you hated a believer without cause, you have actually murdered them. Right, are sought to murder them. Right? And the gospel is for those persons. What Jesus says is to come unto me. God's enemies can become his friends. One evidence of our salvation is persevering until the end. 
In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus shares a parable of a sower and the seeds. And the seeds are sown on various types of soil. Those in good soil who hear and believe the gospel bear fruit. Yet those seeds which are sown in rocky grounds, they receive it for a moment, but when hardship or when persecution comes, they quickly turn away. Those who are believers seek to continue to follow Christ even if their faith is under persecution, whether it be the loss of job or the loss of one's life. Yet, there is also other hope here in this passage for the believer. The last point is, you will be saved. So even though believers live through different seasons of governments and religious rulers who are wicked, even though as verse 12 says that there will be persons who are actually close to you that seek to betray you because your stance of Christ, or even though persons will hate you because you follow Christ, salvation is coming. The one who endures will be saved. So it is essential to understand that this does not mean that my work in persevering in the midst of hardship for Christ's sake is what justifies me, or what justifies a sinner. We're not saved by works, as Tevin said this morning. This is not what Jesus was stating here to his disciples. Justification is by faith alone, as seen throughout the entire Bible, and seen also as um, through the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2, verse 5, seeing the fear, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. The message that was heralded in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, repent and believe. And even to the blind man in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, your faith has healed you. You therefore, therefore, the man could see. So let us remember that we are saved by faith alone, yet... Here we see a promise of a type of salvation that Jesus promises. Throughout scripture we see different tenses of salvation, such as the believer is saved, the believer is being saved, and the believer will be saved. Or to put it another way, we are justified initially when we believe we are saved, we are being saved or we are being sanctified, and we will be saved, which refers to the fact when Christ returns for his own. The return of Jesus is good news to the saint because you will be saved from wicked rulers which you have to live underneath, who sought to persecute the church. All evil will be dealt with. We do pray that wicked rulers would turn from their wicked ways, that God would grant repentance, and that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Yet, all sin will be dealt with, whether it be on the cross for those who believe, or it be in hell. Relief is coming. I would never seek to minimize the persecution or the hardship that sins have gone through or that saints will go through, but we will suffer for a few years. Yet, if we look at it in comparison to when we get to be with Christ, we will get to be with the saints. We will get to be under perfect rule and will be with Christ for all eternity. So the two 
can never compare. So believer, preach the gospel, share all that Jesus has commanded, and seek to be obedient to the scripture. It will not always be night, the sun will return.